0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk Podcast. I am Hayden Grove with Cleveland.com, joined as always by Chris Fedor, our Cavaliers Beat Reporter. And today we are coming to you on this Monday, as we promised, with a little bit of a uh, the start of a new series. I mean, it's kind of a it's gonna be obviously we're gonna continue to do our wine and gold talk podcast like normal with Cavs talk and all kinds of things of that nature. Uh, we also have our friends of the podcast who are going to uh, join us with questions via subtext. You can subtext uh, Chris Fedor and myself for $3.99 a month. I think it's a two-week free trial if you just sign up, though, but we can get into that a little bit later uh, when we do answer those questions. But last week we uh, teased you a little bit with a little bit of a preview as what we want to do for the next couple weeks, and uh, that is going to be a top five uh list now that's going to be for different categories we're going to have top fives for things on the court off the court with the cavaliers with the nba but also you know stuff that we enjoy and you know maybe food or music or whatever but today we are going to start off with our two top five lists and i think it's we're going to start with our cavaliers uh, list first so chris and I or Chris and I kind of came up with uh, a top five list for today, one for the Cavaliers and one for just general interest. But what better way to start uh, than with some Cavaliers talk? So um, our first top five list that we'll be discussing today will be the top five most important Cleveland Cavaliers going forward for the franchise. Now, uh, Chris, I know this list could go in a lot of different directions, and you can get mm-hmm. We can do this in a lot of different ways. So how would you like to do this? Would you like to go, uh, you say one, I say one, you say one, I say one, or you want to just go right through the five and uh, explain a little bit why? You tell me, brother. Let's go, let's go, you do one, I'll do one. And then we right. can go through that way.
1: Okay. All right,
0: so based on this top five list, again, this is the top five Cavaliers going forward and yeah. what they mean for the franchise. So, Chris, I will ask you first. Who is let's start from the from do you have them listed in an order or is it you just have a top five general list?
1: I have them listed in order.
0: OK, so let's go with your number five first and then we'll go down to number one.
1: Yeah, five. I've got Larry Nance Jr. Um, OK, I think a couple of different reasons. Number one, he can play um, a couple of different positions. And then on top of that, he's such a good culture guy. Uh, J.B. Biggerstaff said it throughout the course of this season. John Beeline even said it throughout the course of this season before he stepped down. Just like, if we could build a team of Larry Nance juniors, we would be in great shape. Um, He's the kind of guy, Hayden, that that I think does a lot of things well. He doesn't do anything really at an elite level, so that might cap his ceiling a little bit. Um, But the things that he does... He contributes to winning in a way that very few guys on this roster do at this point in time. So I think when you surround him by more talent, better talent as we go on here, some of the great things that he does that sometimes don't show up, I think those things will be highlighted even more. And I think when this team becomes a playoff caliber team um, a few years down the road still, because they're far away from that – I think Nance's uh, gifts will show up really, really well in that kind of environment.
0: Larry Nance Jr. There is no doubt that, you know, he's definitely a guy that is a great for that culture, great for the locker room. Also want to, I don't think we've mentioned this, but I do want to give a a lot of props to Larry Nance Jr. uh, for helping out his uh, community here in Cleveland and in Akron. He gave uh, money to both the um, Akron Canton food bank and the Cleveland food bank to help with uh, those in need of food and, just an example of the kind of guy he is. And uh, I mean, obviously it's just so special him being a Northeast Ohio guy through and through being able to play for the Cavs and being such a positive influence on that locker room.
1: Yeah. I mean, playing for the Cavs, it's something that he wants. It's meaningful for him. So having guys like that, that want to be here, that want to be part of the turnaround um, for things that go beyond just the regular, Hey, I want to be there for the turnaround. I think that's meaningful for sure. Um, And I think, Larry Nance Jr. is somebody who grew up wanting to be a Cleveland Cavalier. So he wants this program to be great in a way that maybe Darius Garland doesn't. It's not at the same level, just because Darius Garland doesn't have those same kinds of ties. Um, And I think it was very, very interesting to me, Hayden. It was this offseason. It was at Brown's training camp. Larry Nance Jr. is there. He's got Darius Garland with him, Dylan Windler, Dean Wade. And some of these younger guys. And Darius Garland was being called by a fan from behind. And he was just kind of ignoring him. Or maybe he didn't hear him. One of the two. I don't know what it was. I'm not Darius. I can't be in his shoes. Um, But it was kind of loud. So maybe he just didn't hear him. And Larry, like, wrapped his arm around Darius. And he gave him some advice. And he basically said, hey, look, you're a pro now. People are going to be asking for your autograph. They're going to be asking for pictures. Here's how you handle it. Here's how you do it. Larry's the kind of guy who um, bridges the gap between young players and veterans. Some of the closest guys that, that he has on the team are Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love, the veterans, the champions. So he has connections and relationships and friendships with those guys. But he has also found a way to connect with Kevin Porter Jr. and Dylan Windler through video games and Darius Garland through video games and kind of help those guys along, too. So it's just really really interesting that he's enough of a veteran but enough of a young kid where in this kind of environment where you're talking about building a culture and building a team that has a mix of both he's the perfect way to bridge the gap I think.
0: Certainly. So that is your number 5 and I do remember that day at training camp. I remember those guys being right. out there and being and trying to get like I I got them all to take a photo because I was like, "Well, oh, this is cool. This Larry Dance Jr. was wearing his like I think it was GV artwork. It's like the Browns logo, the Indians feather and the cat. Yeah. So that was a fun day. I remember wondering who in the hell Dean Wade was. No offense to Dean (laughs) Dean Wade. At the time, I was like, wait a minute. What? Who is this guy?
1: And Nance um, turned to me and he was like, what the hell are you doing here? Because it was the one time that I was out there at training camp. I had no idea that that was Cavs Day at Brown's training camp. I had gone out there for something else because I was doing radio coming up that week for 92 Through the Fans. So I wanted to show my face and I wanted to watch training camp. And um, I wanted to have some kind of information about um, what people were going to talk about on the radio. So I didn't know that it was Cavs Day. I had no idea whatsoever. And I get there and I find out that it's Cavs Day. And Nance looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I cannot escape you. You were just there at Summer League. And now here you are at Brown's training camp. So it was a hilarious moment.
0: Oh, geez. Can't get rid of Chris. All right. right.
1: So your number five is Larry Nance Jr. My yep. number five is going to be Andre Drummond.
0: Interesting. And my reasoning is it's more it's not so much Andre Drummond, the player. I think it's more so Andre Drummond, what he could turn into, what he could be. Like, you know, I think he's important to, for the Cavaliers because if he, you know, ends up pick, he ends up picking up his option and staying in Cleveland, you know, he could end up really kind of defining a role, or he could end up being a trade ship who could bring in other pieces. So I'm going to say Andre Drummond is my uh, number five for that reason. He's just he's such an enigma, and I think if he does turn into something to where like I said, either he, is, you know, does find a role in Cleveland and, and he and ends up enjoying himself, I think he could be a really instrumental piece if he does want to stick around with guys like Colin Sexton, guys like Darius um, Garland. But if he doesn't and if things don't work, I think if you find the right fit for him, he he could turn yeah. into players who certainly or trade chips or what or excuse me, uh, draft picks or whatever that could. End up being pretty instrumental into the turnaround of the of this team. So
1: that's what uh, I was going to ask you though. Like, yeah. what what do you think they're going to end up doing with it? Like in in your picture of like his importance, where do you think he can bring the most value? Is it as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, or is it trying to get some other assets for him in a sign and trade type deal, or trading him before his contract expires in twenty twenty one?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's assuming that he
1: opts into his contract, which is the most likely option at this point in time, especially because some of these teams with projected cap space are going to lose cap space because of this league shutdown. So a lot of things are up in the air this offseason, and I just don't think he'd walk into the unknown. And I think it was more likely than not he was going to pick up his option anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. And if he doesn't pick up his option, then that's a huge, you know, that's kind of a. Oh, we kind of lost out on a lot there, if you're the Cavaliers. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know, because obviously we don't know when the season's going to pick back up again. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen with all this. Um, I saw some flashes of some awesome things from Andre. Obviously, he had some really good nights, and um, I think he really could be a, a great piece to be surrounded by two you know, young offensive players who you know are going to carry the load, kind of that ability to rebound, that ability to... Um, you know, collect and and be an offensive force. I think it would be big, but I, I think the most likely scenario is that the Cavaliers probably—I I would say—they're going to trade him, but just because, just because I think he's probably going to want money and he's probably going to want a lot of it, and the Cavaliers probably are looking at a situation where, say, Colin Sexton really does take a next step, or, or mm. um, say next step, and these guys are going to get want to get paid too, and I don't think. They want to necessarily spend all of their assets on a guy like Andre Drummond, who's been around for a while, and yes, he's younger, um, but certainly not as young as those guys. So I think, ultimately, I think Andre Drummond will probably be dealt, and if he plays well, he could probably be dealt for some pretty significant pieces.
1: That's the way that I'm leaning to. I don't know what they can get back in terms of value. I think his value is really, really hard to gauge, especially in this day and age. Um, but look, if a team gets really, really desperate and feels like that's the kind of piece that they need, either to take the next step in their rebuild or um, that's the piece that turns them from good to great, okay, then maybe they can scrounge together and get some value in return for him. But but you're right. I, eventually, this organization is going to have to make a decision. It's probably a $30 million decision on what to do with Andre Drummond, and I yeah. just can't see them in the situation that they're in. Um, investing $30 million in him. I think they were willing to do it with Kevin Love for a lot of reasons. Um, Part of it had to do with the kind of impact that he could have on the court. The other part of it had to do with they were coming off um, an offseason where they had just lost LeBron, and I think they wanted some kind of structure and some kind of stability, and Kevin represented that. Um, I think part of it had to do with the fact that Kevin wanted to be here, and Um, at that point in time when LeBron didn't want to be here, committing to a guy who was willing to be here and wanted to be here was important. Um, I just don't think, I cannot see a scenario where this front office commits to Andre Drummond long-term for that same kind of price tag. Um, I could be wrong. Um, I didn't see it with Kevin Love either. I didn't think it was going to come as quick as it did. I knew they valued him. I knew they liked him. I just didn't think it was going to come as quick as it did. Uh, so I could be wrong in terms of this. But but I just, I think Andre Drummond needs the Cavs more than the Cavs need Andre Drummond. And I think that's how the front office is viewing him still at this point in time. And it's going to be up to him to change that line of thinking. Um, and obviously eight games of an audition with the Cavs is not, is not enough for them to change that viewpoint, I don't think.
0: I certainly would agree with pretty much everything, if not everything you said. Um, but I do want to th- move on. We have both have our number five. So Yours is Larry Nance Jr. Mine is yep. Andre Drummond.
1: Number four for you. I have Colin Sexton. Um, wow. And, and I want to make this in
0: the totem pole.
1: I know. I want to make this clear because I think of the young guys. Um, you talk about Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Garland, Dylan Windler. Those are the young guys. I would say Colin is better than them right now. And I know that. He's more consistent than them. He's better than them. I think Colin, the trajectory that he has taken, has even surprised some within the organization. So every time you say that Colin can't be something or you put a ceiling on what you think he can be, he breaks through that. So I recognize that he could still get better from year two to year three, then year three to year four. I just think in terms of pure ability, Hayden, and pure talent, Colin isn't on the same level um, in terms of that with Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland. I think there's more to pull out of both those guys. Now, there's downside to that as well, and there's no guarantee that Darius and KPJ reach the level of consistency that Colin has already shown in his first two years. Um, But I just, I, I continue to think that there's a ceiling for him being an undersized two guard in the NBA. He's not really a point guard, um, even though he has had opportunities under J.B. Bickerstaff and towards the end of John Beeline's tenure to kind of run the second unit, do more point guard related things. But the Cavs admitted out loud that Colin was not a point guard. They didn't view him as that when they drafted Darius Garland with the fifth overall pick to be the point guard of the future. Um, Again, Colin can change that, and he can get better in the certain areas where he would need to get better in order to be that kind of point guard. But an undersized two guard is a tough, tough place in the NBA. You have to be an elite scorer. You have to do things at an elite level to make up for some of the other limitations. So because of that, I've got him a little bit lower than maybe people would anticipate. When you're talking about big picture of this organization right now Hayden I think he's the best most consistent player on this roster but if we're talking big picture and trying to get back to relevance I just don't think he's a top two or three important guy to get them to that point
0: that's a very very you make great I I I wasn't necessarily on the same page as you but that makes sense I mean because because of what you said like you're right. I don't think he's a guy that if the Cavaliers are going to turn this thing around, that he's going to be a guy to be a key. I mean, he's going to be obviously being a top five guy would be a key cog, but not like a number one, number two guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I, I agree with that way of thinking. But uh, but also, like, if he, if he ends up taking uh, steps for the worst in a bad way, I think, you know, outside of he could end up like that. That's my thinking is that, okay, he could be in the top. He could be, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll reserve my, the rest of my top five, but I'm just saying, I think if he doesn't pan out, it's much, much bigger deal than if he does, because if he does, I think you're right. I think he's probably a four or five, but if he doesn't, then I think he moves up and he is like a
1: one, two or three. So, and um, I think there's two other things to consider here. He brings a ton of value and a ton of importance when it comes to the organization in his work ethic, yeah. the way that he plays, like, right. that can be infectious. The dude plays hard. He competes in everything that he does. Like, if he goes for a bike ride with his family, he wants to win that bike ride. If he's, yep. like, working out just on his own, he wants to win that workout. And that kind of attitude is really, really important in a rebuild. And he's somebody who's going to be the first guy in the gym and the last guy to leave. Like, he has no hobbies other than basketball. And right. and because he has that kind of work ethic he can break through. Um, but there's another thing in play here, Hayden. Eventually, the Cavs are going to have to make a decision on Colin Sexton and a contract extension. And I have talked to a lot of people around the NBA. If Colin stays on this trajectory of how he's played, and his year two, Hayden, is better than, like, D'Angelo Russell's year two and Bradley Beal's year two And Devin Booker, it's right on the same level as that. It's right on the same level as Damian Lillard. Like, those are the kinds of numbers that he's putting up. After the All-Star break, his points per game were higher than, like, Kawhi Leonard and and Damian Lillard and some of these other guys. Like, that's the company that he has put himself in based on his consistency and his play. So eventually, they're going to have to make a decision about him, a long-term commitment. And the kind of money that he's going to get, it's probably going to be Jamal Murray-type money. And if you think about what Jamal Murray got from the Denver Nuggets, like, it was a huge contract extension. I mean, we are talking about committing big-time money to Colin Sexton in the future if he continues to play at the same level that he has shown. And, I mean— it's like five years, a hundred forty million type, like that kind of deal, or it's going to be four years at around a hundred plus million dollars. That's obviously a lot, but if he keeps playing like that, that's what it's going to take in order to keep him here. I like it. I like all of it, but
0: we got to move on. Okay, my number four is yep. going to be your number five. That'd be Larry Nance Jr. Right. and for all and for all the same reasons. I mean, he's just a he's a, he's he's a kind of a great. Um, bridge between the older guys, and the younger guys, He, you know, obviously loves being in Cleveland. I, I could see him, you know, if, if, if the Cavaliers are to turn this thing around, he's going to be a huge part because like you said, he's such a good culture guy, such a good locker room guy. Like he's going to be a leader on that team that does, if they are able to, you know, find their way back to relevance. Um, he's going to be a key reason why, um, again, he's getting better as an offensive player. He's, you know, starting to shoot a little better, starting to shoot from outside, obviously brings tremendous rebounding and, and mm-hmm. brings that athleticism that's unmatched. So I think Larry Nance jr. Would be n- my number four uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. So, um, okay. I will go. So you have Larry Nance jr. Colin Secks, and I'm Andre Drummond, Larry Nance jr. You're
1: yeah. number three, Kevin love, Kevin love. Yep. Yeah. Still. Um, I think one, it's what he brings on the court. Um, in terms of value spacing the floor, knocking down outside shots, uh, not having Darius Garland do too much, not having Kevin Porter Jr. do too much. Uh, The thinking when the Cavs agreed to the extension with Kevin was we're going to take pressure off of our young guys and allow Kevin to shoulder that responsibility, whether it's with his leadership or with his level of play. And I still think the Cavs view him that way. And on top of that, Hayden, I still think Kevin, of the guys that the Cavs would be willing to move in a trade, actually willing to move in a trade, I think Kevin has the most value still. I think there are going to be teams that load up on cap space for 2021 because they want to take a run at Giannis, um, and they're not going to get Giannis. And they're going to try and find a way to get that kind of all-star caliber player in a different kind of way. And who knows, maybe it happens this summer because teams want to preemptively strike when the season is wide open next year. Um, I still think Kevin is that kind of guy that fits in a lot of different systems, um, fits around a lot of different players, and he could be... Um, somebody that those contending teams take a run at because they're looking for a third star or something like that. Just throwing it out there, not saying this is the team, but a team like Brooklyn is looking for a third star to play alongside Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So that kind of team could see some value in Kevin. Um, and I still think the Cavs, um, if they get enough, would move him. And I still think other teams around the NBA see value in Kevin Love beyond his age, his injury history, and his contract.
0: I battled for a long time with Kevin Love um, yeah, in, uh, on this list um, because, I mean, obviously not, in, not in, didn't battle with him in real life, but I'm just saying on this list because he, he only has a year left on his contract. If he's 31 trade, years old, yeah, he's 31 years old. There hasn't been any trade bites thus far. Um, obviously I still believe in him as a player. I think, again, I think everything you mentioned with him being able to fit in a lot of different systems, I think him being valuable in that way would work, uh, or is correct. And I I just, I battled with him and Andre Drummond and I just think Drummond being younger, being maybe, you know, having, I I don't know. I just think that maybe Andre Drummond could could garner more for the Cavaliers, maybe just based on his age, or that could be really be it for me. Um, in in regards to the future and what they could get, but also again, if Kevin, you know, we know what Kevin's capable of. If he put up a offensively, a half, yes, yeah, half, offensively, half, right, offensively, right. If 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 he put up half of a season of, you know, the Kevin Love that we've come to know and come to see a lot of, uh, you're certainly right that he can end up getting some pretty significant returns. So I battled a lot on that one. But my number so, three, oh, go ahead.
1: Before you get into that, two things. One, I think you said he had a year left on his contract. He's got three years left on his contract oh, at $90 million. Yes. So it, it's a big commitment that they have, and that's part of the reason did why see, teams—
0: Did I say a year? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, whoops. That's part of the reason why opposing teams might be hesitant to take on his contract, because it goes so far, and because right. if you take on Kevin Love, you're probably willingly taking yourself out of the Giannis sweepstakes in 2021, which is a dangerous game, but not everybody's going to be in the Giannis sweepstakes. And I think there has to be some kind of reality for certain teams that, oh, we can't compete in that free agency game. Maybe we can get our quote-unquote all-star in a different kind of way. The second thing is, um, Kevin Love's not on your top five at all then?
0: Well, hold on. (laughs)
1: because you I mean, said the battle was between him and Andre Drummond and Drummond is number five. I'm assuming Kevin didn't make it, which is, fine, I, I don't wanna, which is fine. And I get it completely because he's 31 years old and you know, he's at a different kind of level than some of these other guys, but that's really interesting to me.
0: Yeah. And I will, I, I find I'll admit he was five a, I mean, he, and yeah, Andre, I, get I don't know. I,
1: get
0: I he was five a, like, you know, because, okay, say he does make it for those three. I like, if I don't think the Cavaliers are ready for the turnaround next year, right? I don't think. I don't think this. so. I don't think they're ready for the turnaround two years from now, right? Like maybe two years from now,
1: they be uh, I somewhat
0: think that, close. Yeah, I
1: Say think it that's again. Early.
0: Yeah, I still so, think that's early, right? So okay, so then you know, then you're and his last year was contract, right. and I and I totally get it. Like I get everything you're saying, but I just think there are a couple like guys, like you said, Larry Nice Jr. Um, and others, and yeah, I mean again again, there are so many young guys on this roster. So right. unfortunately, sorry, Kevin, <laughs> you 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 probably should have made it over Andre Drummond. um, I probably was looking a little short-sighted, but
1: um, look, some people do I'll, look short-sighted, Hayden, and I get it. Not everybody looks big picture. Um, yeah. some people do look short-sighted. Um, so I get that. The other thing that you said about Kevin and like putting up monster numbers, honestly, That's what the Cavs were hoping for this year. That's what the Cavs thought they were going to get this year. And they thought Kevin was going to have a monster season and kind of um, rebuild his value. Uh, And I think his value can be taken in a lot of different ways, and part of that is his trade value. That did not happen. That started happening towards the end of of this run before the league got shut down. Kevin was putting up 20-point nights consistently. Um, but it didn't happen to the level that the Cavs expected, and I think that's part of the reason why they didn't move him at the trade deadline, because they weren't going to get an offer that they were going to say yes to.
0: How much of that do you think was, um, how much of that do you th-
1: think was Beeline, and how much well, do you think, like just the the
0: the kind of, I mean, not so much that John Beeline you know made Kevin Love not play well, but I'm just saying like right. their relationship. Do how much do you think of it was him trying to find his way and not really focused on putting up the monster numbers.
1: Yeah, I think that was part of it. I think everybody was trying to get adjusted to John Beeline just like he was adjusting to them. And I think another part of it was um, you can ask yourself the question, uh, did John Beeline put Kevin Love in the best position to maximize Kevin Love? That's a debate that you could have. And I would say more people would lean towards no, he probably didn't. He didn't find a way to get the best out of Kevin Love, and that's a coach's responsibility. That's part of the reason why um, a lot of people internally were excited about J.B. Bickerstaff taking over, because J.B. was with Kevin back in Minnesota. Um, He was able to get the most out of him. They have a built-in relationship, so you feel like you're going to not only know how to use the guy effectively, but get through to a guy that's going to bring out the best in him. I that's yeah that's kind of my thought and it's again I
0: think Kevin Love like I said we can we're gonna we're gonna see whether or not Kevin Love is gonna put up those monsters I mean first of all I don't know when we're gonna see anything in regards to basketball that's so right, right this is all complete complete projection sure. um but I mean obviously Kevin Love is he has been a huge part of the Cavaliers he'll go he'll be up in the rafters someday and he definitely will be he might even make an appearance and we we're going to I'll spoil a little bit we're going to do a top 5 cavaliers of all time right uh, at some point and he he could very well make an appearance on that list yeah um, but just not on this list for me today because my number 3 is Colin Sexton okay and colin sexton is a guy who you put at number 4 because you think that at his ceiling he's still not enough to be a super franchise changer and super you know get them into a position to where they could be playoff bound with him as their only guy or a lot right something along those lines and i'm gonna put him at number three because i don't know whether he can reach his ceiling and if he doesn't reach his ceiling then i think it's probably a big loss for the cavaliers in the um at the end of the game so for that reason, like I said, I'll put Colin Sexton number three because I, I'm not saying he's not going to reach a ceiling. I'm just not as certain um, that he will. And even if he does, um, he's very close to you know being number four anyway. So I'm going to put him at number three just because, like I said, I don't know which where where he's going to end up. Because I like I said earlier, if he doesn't reach a ceiling and he doesn't end up panning out as a as even like what we think he is, is in terms mm-hmm. of a good good player, a good sixth man. I mean, he's had a, you know, he's still learning and still growing, and I don't, I don't, I, don't think that would be the case. But if so, for some reason he just tailspins and he doesn't end up being a big part of this Cavaliers team, I mean, you look at what the Cavaliers—he was supposed to be the like. I know you can't blame him for this, but he you was can. supposed to be the set. He was supposed to be the centerpiece for the Celtics. He was supposed to or the Celtics deal. You know, he was supposed to be you know one of these top. Uh, he was supposed to be the start of this rebuild, being one of the first picks. Uh, after LeBron and all this yada, yada, yada. So, for that reason, I, I would put him much higher if he doesn't uh, end up being, you know, panning out. But I don't think he's heading in that direction. So, I will sit him at number three. So, thus far, you have Larry Nance Jr., number five, Colin Sexton, number four, Kevin Love, number three. I have Andre Drummond, number five, Larry Nance Jr., number four, Colin Sexton, number three. Number two.
1: I got Garland. I've got Darius Garland. So do I. Okay, so we're on the same page there. I mean, uh, the yeah, he was the number five overall pick in the position that he plays, point guard, engine of the offense. That just by nature, that has more importance than somebody like Colin Sexton or somebody like Kevin Love to me in this day and age. Just somebody to run the team. Um, you're hoping in the future that he can be the coach on the floor. He can be an extension of JB Bickerstaff. And I think there's so much still to pull out of Darius Garland. He just turned 20 years old. He just uh, completed most of his first season in the NBA. Um, This offseason, whether it has already started or it's going to start in two months or two weeks or however long, who knows? There are so many variables here. But he's actually able to work on his game this offseason, Hayden, rather than rehabbing an injury. So when he commits himself to getting stronger, And better and and going through a full season in the NBA to see what he could do, what he couldn't do, and try and take some of those weaknesses and improve on some of those weaknesses with that information that he has. I just think we're going to see a much better Darius, obviously, in year two. And if he makes the kind of rise that Colin Sexton made at the position that Darius plays, like, I think that's going to be awfully important for the Cavs' future moving forward.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. Just the position, like you said, like the, the position that he plays, um, the ability to be that kind of that point guard and that that leader in that aspect. And I think he just, as you said, I think he just has more talent and he's more, um, you know, able to potentially be a guy that does. And it just comes more like well, like we've talked about before. I think um, it comes so much more naturally to Darius. And yes, you know, as you said, he hasn't been good this year, but no, he hasn't. And, and, but I'm not going to completely kill him for this because obviously he played so few games in college. He right. was rehabbing during the summer, as you mentioned. So I'll give him this and I think it's going to end up being a really long off season. Um, so I'll give him that time to work on his game, to get shots up, to, um, you know, get back to where he wants to be to kind of be able to, um, what am I trying to say? Be ready to get, to get ready for an 82 game season. I know it's been tougher for him because he hasn't played that many games ever so for him to have played you know 60 or so um is a pretty big step so i think you know being getting in the right condition getting in all that is going to be huge i will say that he's probably the number one player in regards to this off season like this off season is huge for him
1: him and dylan him yeah. and dylan well
0: dylan too right
1: yeah um but but i'm i'm right there with you and, and on top of it like, people are going to start looking at the 2019 draft class, and they're going to start comparing him to some of the other rookies. And, and nobody expected Darius to be Zion. Nobody expected him to be Ja. Those two guys were on a different tier completely. But, you know, Kobe White was doing some really impressive things for the Chicago Bulls before the league shut down, and he was taking two picks after him. And Rui Achimura, before he got injured, was doing some impressive things for the Washington Wizards. And Cam Reddish was starting to figure it out. And P.J. Washington and Tyler Hero. So some of these guys drafted after Darius. And people are going to start to see the success that they had early on. And they're going to start comparing them just the way that they did with Colin Sexton. So eventually, some of the realities and the circumstances around Darius are going to go away. And it's going to be up to him to live up to what a lot of people expected him to be. And I think the other thing on top of that, Hayden, is Darius is supposed to be so much of what the NBA game is about. Yep, shoot. In college, in such a short sample, he was really, really good as a pick and roll ball handler. So much of the NBA is pick and roll. In college, in that short sample, he showed NBA range. He showed the ability to shoot off the catch, off the dribble, deep contested shots, Those kinds of things, like, that's what you want from point guards today in the NBA. Um, It's one thing to say those things about, yeah, he did those in college. It's another thing to have those actually transfer over to the NBA and not just say, like, yeah, he has the ability to do that. But he's actually going out and succeeding in those particular areas.
0: I mean, you wrote the story, didn't you, about the earth shaking under uh, Toby Altman's feet during the workout?
1: And John Beelines and, and everybody John. that was there at that workout in Los Angeles. Like, he lit it up. Yeah,
0: yeah. just shooting from everywhere. And this yep. let's hope it's not a Hugh Jackson situation with RG3. <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: the you earth... have to Did you have to bring that up?
0: Well, oh, I mean, yeah. we're talking about an earth-shaking workout, you know? I, know. I mean, that's what he said about RG3. Again. Uh, I, and I knew I, I would get a little bit of a rise out of you on that one. <laughs> All right. So, Darius Garland is our number two and drum roll please, number one for
1: you. Oh, this is the same for you. I guarantee it's the same for you. It's Kevin Porter Jr.
0: Yes, that would be correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's the one guy, the one young guy who has the talent to be the cornerstone of this rebuild.
0: Yep. I completely agree. I mean, just from everything he's shown thus far, I mean, he seems to be the one that has, I mean, first of all, it was, I don't know I think I was more worried. I think everybody, and maybe you can provide a little background, but I think the the worry with Kevin Porter Jr. was kind of not so much the talent, because everybody yeah. thought he had the talent. It was just the off-the-feet, off-the-court stuff.
1: Yeah, it was, and it was just immaturity. It was, he never had structure in his life. Um, yeah. It's just somebody who didn't fit at USC, and there were questions about what happened at USC. And this is a guy who was a Ballyhooed recruit he goes out and he averages nine points per game and he doesn't play big, big minutes the way that some of the other guys in the draft class did. So you started to say, okay, what was it? And when you contribute like his background going into that, um, that situation, then you start to ask more and more questions. And I think I was talking to J.B. Bickerstaff about it, and he feels like a lot of people pre- prejudged Kevin Porter Jr., the person, before they actually got to know him. And, and J.B. Bickerstaff, the guy who has been overseeing KPJ's development since the very beginning, the guy who volunteered um, to oversee the development of KPJ, believes that um, all of the things that were said about KPJ were unfair leading into the draft process. Now, because those things were said and because those things were thought of, he was still there at number 30 for the Cavs to be able to go get him. So they benefited greatly from it. But at the same time, JB thinks they were unfair. I mean,
0: that's uh, that's the one thing that I didn't have a ton of background in, in regards to, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. and what the reasons
1: were at USC
0: and all that stuff. But I mean, I do remember him being a Ballyhood recruit, and and kind of wondering what happened. But I do know this about the Cavs organization: they wouldn't. I don't believe the Cavs organization would draft a guy just having knowing, having been around the organization. I don't think they would draft a guy if they really had any like, if they really got to know him and thought, well, uh, we don't know if we can, you know, get this on the right path. Like right. they're not. I mean, I don't mean to bring other organizations into this, but like. Say the Browns, you know, the Browns were kind of the organization to kind of give guys second chances and kind of overlook some of that. Some of the character stuff in the past or, you know, that was kind of the 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 knock against them with Dorsey or whatever. And I just I never that was never the Cavaliers. And I that's when I they picked them. I was kind I wasn't surprised. I was just like, okay, we must be seeing or they must be knowing something that we don't because um, they wouldn't just go out and draft the guy that they thought was.
1: Um, on the wrong path. And
0: certainly, thus far, they've been proven right.
1: Uh, They have. And he has shown a lot of flashes of of being really, really talented and really important to the future of this thing. Again, I think he can change the complexion and the trajectory of this rebuild. Um, But I will say that not everybody in the NBA believes that. I was talking to a scout um, at one of the games before the league shut down, and they were talking to me about KPJ, and I was talking to them about KPJ, and they're like, yeah, that's JB Guy, right? Like, that's the guy that JB has been overseeing. I don't see it with him. I think he's too inconsistent. I think he's too immature. I think he's too much of a wild card. I think he's too volatile. So there are some people that still have that kind of opinion of KPJ, but the important thing is – this organization believes in him. It's not just J.B. Bickerstaff, right? It's Mike Ganzi, the assistant GM, who saw him play a few years ago. It's Kobe Altman, um, the general manager of this team, who saw KPJ play in, in some of the pre-college get-togethers. And, by the way, Kobe Altman developed a very close relationship with KPJ, where he texted him throughout the course of his one season at USC to make sure he was doing the right things, to make sure if he needed anything, he could reach out to him. Like they had that kind of bond um, that has carried over obviously um, to this point where KPJ is part of this organization. So when you have uh, the main decision makers all on board um, with this particular pick and, and, and invested in this kid's growth and development And that goes for Lindsey Gottlieb and Antonio Lang and the other coaches on the staff and Mike Garrity, the player development ace. Like, that's what you want. You want um, all of those guys all on the board um, thinking the same thing, believing the same thing and investing the same way. And because you brought up the example, I, I don't think you can always say that about every organization when it comes to a rebuild and with every player within that rebuild
0: absolutely all right so there we go we got larry nance jr for you your top five larry nance jr colin sexton kevin love darius garland and kevin porter jr yeah mine andre drummond larry nance jr colin sexton darius garland and kevin porter jr so we are both in very much in agreement that darius garland and kevin porter jr are at the top of the most important uh cavaliers moving forward list and I mean, that's the whole point of the going forward list is we'll have to see what happens going forward. I mean, It's one of the
1: reasons why the final 17 games being up in the air um, is hitting the Cavs so hard. Like, they understand the reality of this coronavirus shutdown, and they recognize that the most important thing is that we get back in the country to some sense of normalcy, and it's about health, and it's about safety, and it's about doing the right things in order to get to that point. But... Internally, like there are members of this organization like, oh, man, this stinks because what we wanted to use the final 17 games for and because they were starting to see KPJ in pressure packed late game situations come through. That's experience that you can't gain on a practice floor. That's experience that you can't gain except for being in that kind of environment. So the Cavs were more competitive. They were in more of those situations. They were coming up with the right plays in those situations that were showing growth, and they were hoping that Darius was going to be in more of those situations and KPJ was going to be in more of those situations so that they could use them kind of as a springboard into the offseason and into next season. And if the league decides, hey, no more regular season games, the vibe and the feel and the momentum going into the offseason, Hayden, Uh, it's just a little bit different a lot different. I think,
0: I mean, I think again, you know, you just, it's because, you know, as you mentioned before, some of these guys have the ability to, you know, have home gyms and stay in their gyms and sure. continuing to work out. And it's not as bad for them, but you know, for a lot of the young guys in the Cavaliers, as we mentioned last time, they don't have that ability. They don't have that. They're not lucky enough to, to have that money to be able to do that yet. So yes, I mean, that's just a really, really, really tough thing. Um, for those guys, for the Cavaliers organization in general. So, I mean, it totally, it totally changes the vibe, 100%. Are you ready to move into the other top five uh, yes. that we're going to do today? So we promised, we promised we're promised we going to do, you know, a Cavs-related top five, and then we'll do a general interest top five. But <laughs> I think uh, this one is uh, definitely sports-related as well. So, obviously, during this time, we all, most of us have Netflix, most of us have Hulu, if you don't. I would try to, try to. I know everybody. You know, not everybody's spending their money in the same way, but you can find a Netflix uh, subscription or a Hulu subscription. Do it uh, because it'll help you to to get through this difficult time. Um, and with that said, uh, we are going to do our top five favorite sports movies to watch during this. Um, period of unknown during the coronavirus shutdown so the yeah coronavirus crisis so i have my five chris i'm assuming you have your five i do and i'll again i'll let you go first no you
1: can go first this time oh, I since go go I, I went first course. on the last one
0: damn it <laughs> you you're making me <laughs> go first because i don't my number five is still very much up in the air so i didn't want to go first
1: <laughs> nope you're you're oh, going to have to commit to it oh shoot all right. Um no straddling the fence. It'll hurt your boys. I
0: know. Uh, that's true. Oh man, this is a tough one. Because there are so many good
1: ones. Right. I know. I, I had a hard time just coming up with five.
0: No yeah. You had a hard to- hard time coming up with five?
1: Yes, because there are so many that I left oh, right. out that, right yeah, that belong in most top five lists. Like for example, I don't have Sandlot on here. I left it out. I don't know how I was able to, but I had to
0: well I think you just answered my question for me because I was I was so I'm I mean I don't think I don't think as a human being I can leave out the sandlot and have us both leave out the sandlot all right so I'm gonna go with the sandlot as my number five because you don't have it in yours (laughs) I mean it's such a great movie we watched it since we were kids yeah like amazing um I mean obviously I, I grew up loving baseball I'm a big baseball guy um and uh, baseball was probably my first love, so I would say the Sandlot had a little bit to do with that. I mean, you know, you just remember the classic scenes, um, you know, the tequila scene or the scene where they're playing the tequila song and they're he tries tobacco and he's puking off the side of the <laughs> the what, what was it a tilt a whirl or a what was it a um, what, it was like
1: whatever a, those things are the yeah, whatever yeah
0: yeah the ones you sit and the things whirl around yeah um, just and then Babe Ruth obviously and. Right. Uh Benny the Jet. It's such good stuff. Stealing Home, so that, Benny, Benny
1: the Jet. The Jet oh yeah. yeah.
0: All of it. So Sandlot is my number five.
1: All right. Um, my number five is varsity blues. Okay. And now I, I feel like I have to qualify this. Like I know that it's not going to win awards or things like that, or it's probably going to be um very, very high on most people and their lists. Now,
0: Chris, let, let me let me let me say this first <laughs> yeah. before you go into that. This is our favorites. This is not like the most critical acclaim.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: This isn't the Oscar. You're, you know, the ones that should win an Oscar in your mind. These are
1: our favorites. Yes. Yes. Right. I watch movies to be entertained.
0: Yes. Okay. So that's good.
1: And I feel like varsity blues entertained me. First of all, the cast is fantastic. Um, And on top of that, it's just a really, really entertaining movie about football. You could see a coach being that ridiculous, especially in that area of the country when it comes to trying to win a state championship. Mox is fantastic. Uh, Paul Walker, who made his fame in Fast and the Furious, is actually in that movie as Lance Harbor. You know, Billy Bob is fantastic. Tweeter, (laughs) like all the people. And then you've got Darcy in the whipped cream bikini. So um, yeah. You've got everything that Varsity Blues would would you would think that you would have for a high school football type movie um in that kind of environment. I love it. I love it. And I just watched it the other night. It was on one of the it was on one of the stations, I don't remember which, and it was late at night and I couldn't turn it off because it's just it's great, it's entertaining. I mean James Vanderbeek too. I mean that's a Of course, he's Mox. Yeah, it's classic. I mean, it,
0: it's before he like became. Was that? Do you think that was before he became James Vanderbeek, or like, was that? Was he already kind of? Well, when I say obviously he was born James Vanderbeek, but like <laughs> he wasn't known around the country. Do you think that like that
1: movie he was before or after? Um, I think that was like right when he was starting to get there. All I right. guess All that's right. the way that I would look at it. All right. Moving
0: on. So your number five is varsity blues. Yes, sir. My number five is the Sandlot. My number four is Moneyball. Mm. I, I love Moneyball. I love the, the story. I read the book. I, I mean, I think I just, I love the concept of it. I don't know. It just, it got me thinking differently in the way in, in name of baseball. And um, you know, I, I just, I, I love the, just, I thought Brad Pitt did a great job in the movie. Obviously, the acting by the baseball player, like it wasn't the most like authentic. It was was somewhat authentic, I suppose, but like I don't know. I just I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was such a different movie and such a different baseball movie. Um, And it got me again. I read, I watched the movie, and then I read the book, and then I like started doing a lot of research on Bill James and you know about the statisticians and and the um, you know sabermetrics and all that stuff. So. It kind of got me hooked, and that's why I, I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Moneyball. So Moneyball is my number three.
1: Uh, my or number four, excuse me. My number four is Miracle. Okay. So good. Yes. A fantastic movie. If people don't know, it's obviously about the U.S. Olympic hockey team um, beating the Soviet team in 1980. Yes. The Kurt Russell plays. Um, yeah, the coach Herb Brooks. Herb
0: Brooks. Herb. Yeah. All right, so that is number four for you. Yep. Miracle. All right, number three for me is if I could pull up my list here. Oh, I don't even need to. Uh, number three is the natural. Robert Redford. I mean, it's just a class, like a classic, classic baseball movie. Um, my dad introduced me to it when I was mm-hmm. a kid, and I didn't really, I, I, I didn't. You know, I was, I was young. Like, I, I don't know if I ever knew what the natural was, but then, you know, you, the whole story with the bat, with the lightning, and and you know, uh, Glenn Close and and Robert Red, and the whole story is beautiful. I think it's just a wonderful movie, um, and uh, just again helped me to uh, bring my love of
1: baseball to the yeah. forefront. So, I, yeah, there's I definitely it. a theme with yours, Hayden. There's no doubt about that.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, unfortunately, so far. Yeah.
1: So far there's the theme right. Um all right, so my number three is Rocky. Okay. I don't care which one. I'll just put the first one. Even though the fourth one is probably neck and neck with the first one. Yes. I'll just put the first one. I I watched Rocky Four the other night. Oh, so good. So good. You know what? Let me let me change it. I, I know Rocky One is the Rocky that most people will go to, but I'll go with Rocky Four just because that was my favorite.
0: Okay, the training yeah.
1: montage in the snow. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fighting the Russian.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on. That's. I mean, I was watching it the other night. Like, when he kills uh, Apollo Creed, man, it's, oh. such a, it's
1: a heartbreaker. It is. It is. Uh, there's, a, there's a wide range of emotions in that one. Oh, yeah. Um, and you go through it all. And then when he gets cut for the first time, when he cuts Drago for the first time, just amazing. All right, so that is your number three. That's my number three.
0: My number three is the natural. Okay, my number two. Um, I was... A, Running out of baseball movies here. I, I, I know. Luckily, there's no more on my list.
1: Oh, okay. Um, you, you left out the Cleveland-related one. How about did, that? I did. I yeah. did leave out the
0: Cleveland-related one. Because, I mean, yes, it's like, I don't know. I I love it for what it is, Yeah. because it has that... But, I mean, these other movies were more impactful, I should say. Okay, gotcha. But, so maybe I did it more based on like what movies like impacted me and like entertain me. I don't know. Sure. But yes, yeah, so obviously I love, you know, I love major league. It's a great movie. And I think, I think there are some underrated part. I know you're going to hate me for this, but I think there are some underrated parts of major league two as well. Aww. I know. Everybody's like, Oh, I hate major league two. It stinks. I disagree. I think major league two has some redeeming qualities, but my, my number two, I was in, I was, a, I was a, I was in lower school, so probably like fourth, fifth grade, and it was football camp, and one day it was raining and lightning outside, so we couldn't play, so they played this movie instead, and from that moment on, I was hooked. Uh, remember the Titans. Okay. Uh, Denzel, you got, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a, obviously a classic, classic movie. Um, it's a, it means more than just about football, it's about you mm-hmm. know, racial relations in this country, and um, coming together and it's just I, it's a wonderful movie Hayden Panettiere at her
1: very yes very very, very, very young very, age
0: very young age so um remember the Titans definitely would be my number two
1: all right my number two is Hoosiers
0: all right Hoosiers you like know it.
1: me I'm a huge basketball fan the underdog story really really good um I think when I was growing up every time I watched Hoosiers I would pick up a basketball and I would either start dribbling in my basement or I would go outside in my backyard and I'd start playing. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was just one of those movies that drove me to want to play basketball. Love it. Love it. All right. My
0: number one has already been mentioned. Hmm. Miracle. Oh, really? Number one. Number one. It's a um, curveball. Yeah. I it's always been i i've always put that up there as in my favorite movies in general i think yeah. it's like it's such an inspiring movie not just because of i think it, for me it's perfect because it incorporates the sporting element with like the you know again with like a very difficult time in our country and the fact mm-hmm. that you know such an inspiring story of you know these kids that that you know overcame such odds and and came together and, and beat the soviets and like the way the movie was done too is just so fantastic like, it looked very authentic it was just very like authentically made and kurt russell was amazing as her brooks and um i just i remember getting really emotional during the movie and i remember like, yep. watching it and, and just being taken away so i love the movie uh miracle is my number one sports
1: movie for sure and to add on to that hayden Right, so it's, like, one of the greatest sports stories in history. Right. So you have to be really, really careful about how you present that and how you turn that into a movie. You can't get that wrong, you know what I mean? No. So they didn't. They got it right. And the way that they told the story of one of the greatest sports moments in history, one that actually happened, right, like, that was so well done. So I give them a lot of credit for that because there had to be so much pressure.
0: And that was Disney, right?
1: I don't know. was it Disney? I think it,
0: I think it was Disney. Yeah, I think it was a Disney movie. Um, oh, I can look oh. that up. as that you yeah, have my computer in front of me? Yeah, I think it was Disney, and uh, yeah, Walt well, Disney Miracle. No kidding. Good so for I them. Think that, I think that's part of the reason they got it right. You yeah, know? that's true. I mean, Disney doesn't. I mean, Disney is not perfect, but they tend to do a pretty good job when it comes to right. You know, any movie, much less you know, a movie like that.
1: All right, so you're number one. Oh, my number one's Remember the Titans. All right. There that is know. one of the movies that anytime it's on, no matter what time, no matter what day it is, no matter what I'm doing, that is staying on my TV, and I am watching that.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That's- and every single time I watch it, every single time, I tear up over Gary Bertier. I can't help oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I lose it. The tough
0: one. It's a it's as tough as they get.
1: It hits all of your emotions all at yep. the same time.
0: Yes, it does. I
1: mean, There's, that's why it was my number two. I mean, it's yeah.
0: It's a genuinely fantastic movie. I mean, it for so many different reasons. So that's I mean, and, and there are some, like I said, that I left off. Major League, I was thinking about. Yep. That definitely would be honorable mention. I was um, thinking
1: about, like I said, Sandlot was on my list of almost Hoop Dreams was on my list of almost. Okay. I nearly had Hoop Dreams on there. Um, the Legend I almost of Bagger had Vance. I almost had,
0: space, I almost had Space Jam
1: on there. Yep, Space Jam had to get cut at the last minute. Like I said, Legend of Bagger Vance because I'm a big golf guy. I oh, thought yeah. that was actually really well done. Raging Bull, I almost yep. had that in my top five. I couldn't fit that in there, which Caddyshack is amazing is to think to about. Fine. Yep
0: i mean it's you know comedies are kind of interesting because like they can be great movies no doubt like happy gilmore i love right. happy gilmore but is right. that is that does that make i don't know like so happy happy gilmore caddyshack were definitely on mine major league was on mine mostly comedies actually
1: probably <laughs> feel the dreams was close yeah feel the dreams is really really good oh yeah
0: it's just because movie. of the
1: emotions of that too and like the story behind it
0: oh yeah i mean certainly and uh, I'm trying to think of any others that I missed. I mean, obviously, there's a ton that I've missed, but yeah. I mean, in terms of basketball, Jerry Maguire, I mean, Jerry Maguire, <laughs> another great one. Another Show great one. me the money. Oh, money, Uh But you know, you mentioned like I I did grow up a big basketball fan, and I am a huge basketball fan. But like movie wise, I don't know. I just they're Hoosiers. I never I got on pretty late, so. Mm. um trying to think of like yeah, I'm obviously space jam was big growing up
1: did you watch hoop dreams
0: I, maybe I haven't wow maybe I haven't watched hoop dreams I mean I've watched um I'm trying to think I like you know he got game
1: yeah
0: when, I, I don't know maybe I haven't watched that one
1: blue chips don't forget blue, blue chips. chips yes yeah. but maybe do you ever know the think- story of hoop dreams maybe i'm
0: maybe i'm confusing it for somebody else let me let me just take a look real i know this is gonna people in the podcast are gonna be like what the hell Bubba, you have no i mean three it's three like them. two
1: basketball prodigies they're followed through high school um like you were talking about there's issues of race class education poor chicago neighborhood Okay, so this is not
0: the one with Jesus Shuttlesworth. Right. Okay, no, I have not no, I have not.
1: No, Jesus Shuttlesworth is He
0: Got Game. Right, He Got Game. That's what I was thinking. Okay, yes. I have seen He Got Game. I have not seen Hoop Dreams.
1: Right. White so Men? That's, that's good, another though.
0: basketball one. that's good. That's good because now I have something else to watch. Yeah.
1: yeah so watch Hoop Dreams. Have you watched um, White Men Can't Jump? Uh, yes. That's another basketball one. That's yes, more like I, I don't know if that's going on the list of top movies when you're talking about sports in general. I don't about, even know uh, what,
0: what's going on what, top movies
1: if you're talking about basketball.
0: What yeah. about um what about Kyrie's
1: movie? <laughs> nope. Not on my list.
0: <laughs> did you watch it? I haven't seen no. it. <laughs> oh.
1: uh, no, I did not watch Uncle Drew actually. Um Un- I didn't Uncle watch Drew. I didn't watch the Oklahoma City Thunder movie. Oh, that one god, There was Wendler. a movie about that.
0: Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Oh my god, who's going to play LeBron in the uh in the Cavaliers 2016 movie? lebron that's true that's exactly right (laughs) there's no other who's playing kevin love kevin love
1: uh no actually i don't know who would play him but i don't know that he would play him what about uh who's playing richard jefferson in that (laughs) i don't know find a bald guy there's enough bald actors out there
0: channing fry will play himself (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we went through our lists for this week and we're going to continue to do this. You know, I think it's kind of a fun way to do things, uh, go through the list and, and talk a little bit about, um, you know, the current the Cavaliers. Obviously, keep it a wine and gold talk related um, discussion. But also we can talk about some general interest stuff as, and some sports stuff and some general sports stuff. So we're going to keep this top five theme going. But as I mentioned, through subtext, you can uh, get your questions to the podcast. Subtext is three ninety nine a month. You can get insider texts from Chris Fedor and myself. Uh, you can sign up for Chris's. You can sign up for mine. Um, Chris's will be obviously more Cavaliers related. Mine will be more general sports in Cleveland related. Um, but again, some great info you'll get from Chris in regards to his talks around uh, the NBA and whatnot. Um, so, with that said, you can become a friend of the podcast by signing up for Subtext. You can uh, sign up on the link on the Cleveland.com. Uh, Posts that we will have the, from the from this podcast, so go check it out there. Um, and we do have a couple questions today from some friends of the podcast uh, from Subtext. So uh, we have two questions today, both are Cavaliers and draft oriented. Uh, the ones that I was sent by Chris to my uh, email, and the first one is, or no, I have three actually from Chris. Yeah, there should um, be. There are three now. So. Okay, so first one. I'm curious of the type of defender that they want to target. Um, or excuse me, I'm curious the type of player they want to target. Grinder like a Koru, high upside guy like Wiseman or Edwards, versatility like a BJ. So this is obviously an NBA draft question. What kind of player are the Cavaliers targeting in the draft?
1: Ooh. Um my feel is that they're top tier are all risky guys. And I think they're willing to swing for the fences on this one. Um, in part because they had three picks in last year's first round. And the other part of it is because, like, that's the component that they're missing. We've talked about this before. Again, KPJ can change that. But as of right now, as you look at this rebuild, they need that They need that superstar. They need that cornerstone-type piece. Um and I think they're because this draft is so weird, Hayden, um, and because there's there's a belief that it could go any way in the top six. Like one team's top six could look completely different than another team's top six. I think they are going to try and swing for the fences, and I think they are willing to gamble on upside. And if I had to guess right now, I think their top tier of guys, in no particular order, Anthony Edwards of Georgia. James Wiseman of Memphis, and LaMelo Ball. Um, And all of those guys have huge question marks because of the circumstances surrounding what happened with them this year. Um, So I think they would lean that way more so than somebody with a higher floor, say like Obi Toppin.
0: All right. We are moving on to the next question, which does have to deal with the uh, draft as well. But this one's more of a Quite pretty literal question, not so much an opinion question. Uh, will the draft lottery get canceled this season, where the draft order is Warriors, Cavaliers, Timberwolves, Pistons, inverse order of winning percentage? So, how will the uh, NBA lottery work?
1: That's a good question. I don't know that we know for sure how it's going to work. Um, I think there are a lot of a lot of dominoes here that have to fall and i don't i don't think there are easy answers right now when it comes to the nba for, for a lot of things including how the draft lottery is going to go look as of right now if the season ended you would obviously inverse the standings and the warriors would have the best chance at number 1 and the cavs would have the best chance at number number 1 the second best chance at number 1 and then you keep going through there Think um, about the
0: insanity of that, though. The Warriors getting the number one pick. Like, they're going to yeah, have Clay. They're going to have Steph. They're going to have, you know, I mean, and then right. adding them to the best pick. I, mean good, I, I mean, mean, good for them, I guess, you know, right.
1: being able to do that. But, wow. I mean, technically, so that we're clear on this, the top three all have the same odds of getting number one overall. Right. It's 14% right. chance. But what yes. I'm saying is, like, the Warriors have the worst record. Cavs. Second worst record, barely, by win percentage. Minnesota, third worst. Atlanta, fourth worst. And then so on and so on. So, yeah, with the flattening of the odds, like, number one overall, 14% Golden State, 14% Cleveland, 14% Minnesota. The lowest the Cavs could finish, based on these records, these standings right now, is, I believe, sixth.
0: Which is exactly what the next question is. If the regular season is done, it mirrors last year, and worst we can get is 6%, 14% chance at number one.
1: So that would all be correct. Yeah, I believe so.
0: All right, well, that does it from the questions from our subtexters. Again, you can join us at subtext. I think it's a two-week free trial to join subtext, and you can get the link for our subtext on the cleveland.com post um, that we will put up uh, that will hold this podcast. Uh, In the meantime, we are going to get our top five lists ready for next week or maybe later this week. We haven't been able to do a two in a week, but heck, we're getting into the real doldrums of this coronavirus crisis. So hopefully, and by doldrums, I don't mean to take it, um, not take it seriously. I think it's a very serious thing. Um, But I'm just saying that there's very, very little going on. And and at the beginning, there was a lot of news, a lot of flurry because of everything happening. And now I think we're just kind of. I don't know we're finding our way into a little bit of a lull so mm-hmm. hopefully we can find our way into maybe two times a week uh, but we will still be coming to you on Mondays because that's what we've uh, scheduled uh, to this point so we've had a good time on Mondays so Chris we will come up with a set of top 5 topics for next week um we enjoyed this week's I'm for sure I did I've re- enjoyed the movies and very much and And apologies to Kevin Love if perhaps he's listening, (laughs) 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 leaving him off of the list of future, you know, most important Cavaliers going forward. Um, But again, like I said, he might end up on my top five best or um, top five Cavaliers of all time. We'll see. Uh, But Chris, anything else you got? Uh, You feeling okay? Everything's good?
1: I'm feeling great. Everything's good. Also, if people have suggestions of the top fives that they want us to do, send them in. Let us know via text.
0: Or yeah, you can let us know via text. Is this a situation where we can't tell them to let us know via any other social? Of course they can. Sure they okay. can. Yes. Okay. So you can let us know on Twitter. I'm at h underscore grove. He's Chris Fedor. C-H-R-A-S-F-E-D-O-R. I am h underscore the little line thingy and then G R O V E. So you can tweet us um, your top five suggestions. We, uh, I mean, I'd be willing to do pretty much anything that's appropriate and you know,
1: any <laughs> good way to put it.
0: Yeah. Anything that's appropriate and fun and able to put on the podcast. I mean, it won't get us in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Won't get That's the most important thing. You know, we're, we're not looking to get in trouble during all this. So, all right, Chris, until next time, be that later this week, be that uh, on Monday. Uh, It's always great talking to you, my friend and uh, stay well, give your best to my wife, give, give my best to your wife, (laughs) give your best to my wife. I don't (laughs) have a wife, so that wouldn't make sense. (laughs) um but yeah all the best to you stay well and everybody out there again we're thinking about you and hopefully you're staying nice and healthy and staying inside because it's not all about us it's about those um that are in harm's way that we're trying to keep out of harm's way as much as we can so stay inside keep listening to our podcast keep listening to all podcasts and keep doing what you're doing and, and being well so thank you for joining us we will see you when we see you take care